everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Water Women Podcast. My name is Jill, and I'm the host and creator of this podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Vanessa Zobel, who is a PhD student working on whale acoustics. What Vanessa does is super interesting and super important, so I'm so excited for you guys to learn all about it. So hello again, everyone. I'm joined today by Vanessa. How are you doing, Vanessa? I'm good, Jill. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. So how about we start out talking a little bit about you and what you do. So can you give us a brief outline about your research and what you're doing for it? Yeah, so I'm a second year PhD student at Scripps Institution of Oceanography. I'm in the whale acoustics lab. So I listen to a lot of sounds underwater. And there's a lot under there. But I mainly listen to um, human made noise. Uh, so commercial ships make a lot of noise and I, we consider that noise pollution. And then I also listen to a lot of low frequency calling whales, like humpback whales and fin whales. And I'm kind of figuring out, um, how I can study the impacts of that noise pollution from these big ships on these also big baleen whales. And I do that in the Channel Islands region. Cool. So when we talk about this uh, noise in the ocean, where is this noise coming from? Just ships or is there other places and other things that cause it? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different um, things that can be making noise underwater. So there's ships, but there's also seismic surveys that make big explosions. There's seal bombs where fishermen throwing in little sticks of dynamite to get the seals away from their fishing nets. There's um, oil drilling in the ocean, which also makes a lot of noise. And um, even wind turbines, you'd think, hey, that's out of the water. That's not making noise, but it can penetrate. The vibrations of these wind turbines can also penetrate underwater and they can make noise. So a big cacophony of sounds underwater that we try to untangle. Yeah, so a lot going down down there, Yeah, you wouldn't think it. Totally. So how do you guys go about your research on this? What do you do for it? So we build in-house um, recording devices that can record underwater thousands of meters deep in the ocean. They can... Um, they can stay underwater for a year and record all the sounds around it continuously. So we build those in the lab and then we go on ships and we chuck them over the side and <laughs> um, we anchor them to the bottom. And then when we want to go get them, we can, we use this little device to release them from the ocean floor and they come up to the top and then we get to listen to everything that was going on down there. That's really interesting. Yeah. When you're listening, what are you listening for? Yeah. So we have many different researchers in our lab and there's just so much to listen to. Like we've talked about, even some people just listen to the wind. Some people just listen to the earthquakes. So there's many different people that are interested in different things. So we have some 
some of our grad students are just studying sperm whales and some are just studying beaked whales. But um, we all go into the data and pick out exactly what we want to look for. And we have these devices all over the world from Antarctica, the Arctic, Hawaii, Palau, like uh, in the Atlantic too. So wherever you want to listen for or listen to and wherever at, um, you can do that depending on what questions you have. That is so interesting. You're looking specifically at baleen whales, which are the whales that uh, don't have any teeth and instead use baleen to feed. Yep. That is so cool. Exactly. Why is that something super important or why is that something that you chose to study? So I study whales. (laughs) I study whales because I think they're fascinating. I think they're mysterious. They're smart. Their brains are huge. They are some of the most intellectual, emotional, and just fascinating animals on the planet. And to me, that that is one reason to study them. Um, Another reason to study them and for a reason to protect them is also because they really help our ecosystem stay healthy. They, They poop and they pee, and they die, and they add a lot of um, material to the ocean that can help phytoplankton grow. And phytoplankton sucks up that carbon dioxide, which we want to get out of our atmosphere. So not only are they fascinating and emotional, but they also are keeping our whole planet kind of um, in sync. So um, there's a lot going on that is not so happy with whales right now. Um, They are getting hit by ships. They're getting entangled. They have to scream over the noise pollution to try to hear each other. Um, And they communicate using sound. So I wanted to study how I could protect these animals so that they can stay in the ocean, keep keeping fat and making babies and contributing to our ecosystem. So I wanted to figure out a way I could study how to protect them. And that was um, with noise pollution and figuring out how we can mitigate this underwater noise made by humans so that we can keep the the humpback whales and the fin whales particularly singing, reproducing and making babies and um, just keeping that ecosystem really healthy. Keeping them happy and healthy. Yep, fat and happy. <laughs> I love that you said the thing about the poop because that is yeah. my favorite fun fact. I actually, I gave a whole TED talk on it. No it way. The subject of my TED talk is like, I was, the main point was like, whales are these vital ecosystem engineers. And even though you may not think about them all the time, like they're having a huge impact on us, even in land. And to get to see people's faces when I said, yeah, their poop is probably one of the most important things. It was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, just totally. so funny. Yeah, totally. And I think that's like a super important um, concept to bring up to people because sometimes in the field, and I know that you study whales too. So sometimes people are like, come on, like the phytoplankton's important. No, like the fish are important. And it really is all important and everything is connected because whales might be the charismatic megafauna that are so cute and um, like cool to look at. Yeah, exactly. But also they are just as much important to the ecosystem as any other organism in there. Oh, absolutely. Like the whales are what kind of 
made me really want to study marine biology. But then as I learned more about it, I was like, well, there's so many cool aspects to this. Like, totally. It's such a broad field that you're just never bored in it. Oh my gosh, yeah. There's always more questions. <laughs> always. Yeah. So your two main species are the humpback whale and the fin whale, you said? Yeah, right now, yeah. Nice. So those are two quite large animals. Yes. <laughs> so it's yeah. interesting to think about how something so big and massive that you think is like this powerhouse could be debilitated by just sounds that we're making. Yeah, totally. And these sounds, they're right in the same frequency as the humpback song and the fin whales song. So they're completely covered in some areas. And in the area I'm studying, there's a lot of ships. So they can just be masked by this noise and um, their their area in which they can hear each other becomes smaller. So um, they might not be able to communicate as well as in other areas where there's more quiet, more quiet ocean soundscape. So is that why you are studying that area because it has this high, like the high level of anthropogenic noise? Yeah. So yeah, this is, um, the Channel Islands is a national marine sanctuary. So it's like a super protected area where there's a lot of emphasis on protecting the marine environment there, but it's also right next to one of the busiest shipping ports in the whole world, the port of Los Angeles and the port of Long Beach is right there. And they have 20 transits of enormous cargo ships every day. So it gets loud, loud, loud. Yeah. So it's a really like dynamic area where you can study really um, rich and productive ecosystem faced with really intense human-made noise pollution. That's very interesting that they're so close to one another. Yeah, it's a super complex area. I can imagine that leads to some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I have a humpback whale song if you want me to find it. Absolutely, that would be amazing. That would be the best thing (laughs) ever. So they have that really beautiful, iconic whale song, and I just feel like the luckiest person in the world that I get to listen to that. Oh, that just, listening to it made my heart so happy. I know. It's just like so beautiful. And it just keeps me motivated to try to figure out a way to lessen that noise pollution so we can keep them singing, keeping them communicating with each other as much as possible. Absolutely. Because they don't just like their singing is their communication. It's like they're talking. It's used for so many different things. And it's still being studied, like to be better understood. Like yeah. For how much we think we know about it, we don't really know anything. Oh my gosh. It's so hard, especially with these huge animals that like you can only study out in the field and they're hard to see sometimes. I've been out um, to deploy our recording devices and sometimes we go out for a couple days and we don't see anything. So they're hard to find. And that's why using acoustics is a good way to study them. But still um, it's hard to know from the sound what, what they're doing. (laughs) We, We don't have that translation down pat yet. 
Oh man, no, that would be awesome. That would be so cool. <laughs> So have you guys found anything with your research so far? Anything that you can share? Yeah, so I've worked, it's interesting. So I got my degree in wildlife biology from UC Davis. And um, one one concept that I learned from one of my favorite professors, his name's Dirk Van Vuren, his favorite animal is a yellow-bellied marmot. And he told us when we were there that if you really, really want to solve conservation biology issues, as painful as it may seem, you have to work with the humans on the human side. Mm -hmm. You have to work together. So I called and emailed and LinkedIn messaged and did everything I could to get in contact with these big shipping companies. And of course, it's like little old me versus multi-million dollar shipping companies. <laughs> but I did get a hold of some of them. And um, and the Channel Islands National Marine Sanctuary has been working with a lot of shipping companies for years also. And it is so inspiring and amazing to see these big shipping companies really um, trying to understand the biology and how they want to understand how they can help with reducing their not only noise pollution, but ship strikes with whales. So um, trying to reduce their speed so that they can let whales get out of the way before they um, strike them. And then also air pollution. So a lot of global shipping companies are actually responding really, really well to us biologists trying to help mitigate the noise pollution in the area. So yes, thank you, Dirk Van Buren, for <laughs> inspiring us to go out there and work with the humans and the wildlife together, because I think that's really how we're going to solve that, it is. that issue. Yeah, it's definitely important. And it's nice to remember that even though these are these like big shipping companies on the other side of that are humans who, if you like go talk to them, totally. are going to understand. I know here where I am in Atlantic Canada, the Bay of Fundy, we have the whole right whale situation where oh, the Atlantic goodness, right yeah. whales, where there's such a depleted population and they were getting striked by boats so much that they, and like changing where their location and all that they mm -hmm. completely changed the shipping routes and the shipping speeds and everything. And there was like yeah. a little bit of a fuss, but for the most part, people were like, okay, yes, this is for the whales. Like, yeah. and it wasn't, it's obviously not that detrimental to us. Like it's going to take an extra five minutes to go one way, like not a huge deal. Yeah. So it is important to remember that there's other people on that side too, that do also care about these animals. Maybe not as much as we do, but definitely care about that. Yeah. Yeah, and we give these shipping companies that slow down like super positive press. So it's trying to give more incentives for them. But we've definitely seen um, a decrease in their noise pollution emitted from these ships when they are slowing down. Yeah. And that's one way that we're trying to um, reduce noise pollution in their area. So like the best would be to completely get rid of it, but not a viable option. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, it's super interesting um, with coronavirus right now, uh, just like the economic um, crisis in 2008, there is a big reduction in the number of cargo ships out there. So the whales are just singing their little hearts oh, out. Oh, to be and out loving there life. hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a case study of reducing number of ships, even though... Um, yeah, I, and coronavirus obviously is 
really sad and really intense, but um, it, yeah, it has allowed at least the ocean soundscape to come a little bit quieter. What the whales specifically use their songs for or their like vocalizations for, because it's such a broad thing sure. so to kind of go into that would be super cool. Yeah. So at least humpback whales, we know that I don't think a female has ever been recorded or seen to sing those long songs like the one I um, showed on here. Uh, but males sing and a, they have been seen to sing and recorded singing in their breeding zones and their foraging zones. So it's hard to say for sure what they're singing for. And that's still being studied. But um, it is potentially a measure of fitness. So how long a male can sing or how loud or how, um, yeah, or how, like how complex um, can kind of show the fitness of that individual male. And something that I thought I saw in a talk and it was so cool that it showed the dive behavior during a humpback whale song. And they actually time their dive so that they take a breath during a section of the song where they're not singing. So it's like they, they if you just listen to the song, it's like they never take a breath. Cool. So, yeah. So it's like if, if a male whale never has to take a breath, then they must be pretty fit. Yeah, good to have so, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's either competition between males or females listening to find the most fit animal. But yeah, definitely something about male humpback whale fitness. Cool. I actually just finished my final paper about, uh, I did it on this and I kind of did it on what role the vocalizations play in their migration. And of course, nice. basically the entirety of it was like, well, it could be this, but no one really knows. Exactly. Once once we like finish a study, there just comes out with like twenty more questions. <laughs> exactly, and it's so yeah. cool that they use like they sing in both their different like their breeding and feeding grounds, and they change like they slow yeah. down a little bit while they sing, and they thought that that might be because they want to provide themselves with like longer access to females, and like just yeah. so many different questions come up from it, and it's such a cool thing to study totally and it's cool that how they change their song from year to year or from like just slowly change their song and just learn all together how to change the yeah. song it's really interesting the learning aspect of it yeah there's um nan hauser she was talking about the cultural transmission like the horizontal transmission where like these different populations yeah. will like pick up parts of a song from a different population and like pass that data along, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. There are smart cookies out there. I love them. <laughs> We've talked a lot about the major impact of this, like increase in the noise being on like masking and covering their communication. But uh -huh. what about the damages to their ears or their hearing? Is there anything like that? Yeah. Happening? Yeah. So there's a couple different types of hearing loss that can happen. You can have a temporary threshold shift where you just lose hearing in certain frequencies for a temporary amount of time. And um, there's a, a lot of um, in-lab studies with that with seals 
um, and some dolphins, but obviously it's hard to do with the larger animals like blue whales, but with the sounds that they produce, we can kind of model to see what frequencies their hearing thresholds are, and then potentially what threshold shifts, hearing threshold shifts they're getting with the anthropogenic noise that's in the area. And then of course, you can also have permanent threshold shifts, which is just losing hearing permanently. So that's definitely happening out there. And um, it's hard, hard to study with the big animals, but um, a lot of modeling uh, can be done to figure out questions like that. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Not something we have a full direct answer to yet, but definitely something that's being looked into. Oh yeah, for sure. So is there any sort of device that could be put in the water or a machine or anything that could lessen the impacts of these sounds on these whales or anything like that? I've, I'm not sure if I've heard of a device that can lessen the noise pollution or like mask just the noise pollution and not the biological sounds. Um, I think the best approach would be taking more anthropogenic material out of the ocean instead of putting more in. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't do the job, then potentially making a device like that in the future. But I think that the first, the first route we should take is um, lessening what's going in. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Rather than try and put something else in another yeah. noise to cover it up to kind exactly, of yeah, instead. yeah. But yeah, that's um, super and, interesting. Cool. Yeah, it'd be super cool to look more into that. Yeah, it is a very specific <laughs> thing that you're studying. Yeah. So, how did you get into studying that? It is. I realized that the other day. I it is very specific. <laughs> it's very niche. It is. And sometimes I'm like, gosh, why didn't I? get a more like, I don't know, common job. But um, I love it. And um, I have tried other ways to study animals, not acoustics. Um, I've, I've studied Western pond turtles with tags. And I looked at um, like an Armagosa vole community in the lab and cleaned their cages. That was an early one. Um, <laughs> and I've also studied birds, um, visual surveys and acoustics. And I've studied physiology of seals. Um, and I love acoustics, especially in the fields, because you can eavesdrop on a community or an ecosystem and a species without having to touch them or really without having them know that you're there. Yeah, it is a very minimally invasive way to study them. Yeah, that's why I ended up picking this approach. And there's so many other approaches, and they're all important. Um, But I really was drawn to this doing acoustics, as intense as it is for a wildlife biologist to learn all the electrical engineering that goes into it. I think that it's worth it just so I can do that approach of just kind of being a fly on the wall underwater and um, listening and not having to disrupt them is something I love about it. How did you go about getting into this? Like, where did you start for your undergrad? And did you do any internships or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did so many <laughs> internships, so many random internships, too. Yeah, I 
I'm from San Diego and um, I grew up next to the ocean and I have always found it as a place that I could be myself and it's a little sanctuary. And I, I took undergrad as an opportunity to try something different. It's, it's still California, but UC Davis is pretty different than San Diego. <laughs> it's also known as the cow town, if you're not familiar with it. Definitely smells like it. I love it. It's like one of my favorite places in the world, but it's not near the beach. So there I um, I first was a biology major thinking that I was going to get like a quote normal person job and be a nurse or a doctor or a something that people do. But I just, even in my biology classes, I was only really interested in the wildlife aspects of it. So then I became a wildlife major instead. And I took any any internship I could on that path. So like I said, I, I studied voles, which are like little rodents, some turtles, um, some geckos. And then I had an opportunity to take a research abroad year or a, a broad semester with UC Berkeley. And that was in Tahiti. So I went, I took a semester or a quarter off of Davis and it didn't end up counting for any credits. And I was like, oh no. So I graduated late, but that was okay because I got to go to Tahiti and I studied birds there. And um, I used acoustics to study birds. And that was when I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is, this is it. This is when I knew I was like, research is incredible and asking questions and trying to answer them and messing up a lot. But at the end, getting a glimpse of an answer is so fascinating for me. And um, that's when I knew that I wanted to do research and acoustics specifically. And then I, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've gotten a lot of internships and as you may know, wildlife internships are a lot of the time unpaid. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I also, yeah, I also spent a lot of time in Davis nannying and dog walking and um, doing anything that I could so that I could get these internships that I really, really wanted. And I think that, that it was worth it um, instead oh, yeah. of becoming something, quote, normal that um, wasn't exactly the most interesting thing for me and just like grinding away um to get to be able to do a wildlife job is just so worth it oh it is it's definitely a grind to get there and you do have to sacrifice a, totally. a lot of summers worth <laughs> some very little pay yeah and, like yeah sometimes but it's always so worth it to do it if it's what yeah. you love and there's nothing quite like getting to interact with these animals totally and anyone can do it oh yes it does take the grind, but if you want it, there are so many opportunities out there that, and we need all the people we can get. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Need a couple more wildlife yeah. warriors around here. Yeah. <laughs> so if people want to follow along with your research, is there anywhere else they can do that? Um. Well, I have an Instagram. It's Vanessa underscore underscore Zobel. I don't know why the one underscore was taken, but <laughs> there's two underscores in there. I at least I think the last time I checked. Oh, and I post some things about my research on there. Um, and that's 
what I have. I'm also on LinkedIn, but those are the only two things I have. I love that. So yeah. people can connect with you there. And if they have any whale questions, totally, of course. So that is super awesome. Thank you for joining today, Vanessa. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we sign off on the podcast? Uh, I don't think so. Just if you're interested in the ocean and studying it and protecting it, stick with it. We need you. We want to have you and come play. (laughs) Exactly. It never feels like work when you're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much, Jill. Of course. Thank you. Another big thank you to Vanessa for joining me for today's episode. Make sure to follow Vanessa on all her social media platforms to keep up with her future research. As always, you can follow the Water Women podcast on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out our website, waterwomenpodcast.weebly.com or send us an email at waterwomenpodcast at gmail.com. If you or someone you know is a water woman who'd want to be featured on this podcast, reach out and let us know. And until next time, stay salty.